So the main reason for this year's decrease is because CMS added in coverage for the code G2211, which is a complexity code that occupational therapy practitioners are not able to use. So therefore, we aren't able to benefit from that increase in funding and the addition of that code. This is why we say it's important for you to have a seat at the table and the saying of if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. So this is why it's important for you to be involved. This is why it's important that we have our state associations, our national associations, so that we always have someone representing us to make sure that someone is fighting for our piece of our pie. Hi, I'm Clarice Grody and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm an occupational therapist by trade and a policy wonk by choice. This podcast is here to help you survive and thrive in the U.S. healthcare system through a better understanding of policy, advocacy, and value-based care. So let's dive in. Hello, OT amplifiers, and Happy New Year! It is officially 2024, and I am so excited to be starting on another year of this podcasting journey. Now, if you attended the Amplify OT holiday party, then you already know this, but I will go ahead and tell you anyways. I was so excited to see that we had over 4,000 listeners this year to the Amplify OT podcast, and we're able to publish 20 episodes. If you'd like to see the rest of the Amplify OT updates from the holiday party, as well as two special announcements and a 2023 advocacy in review, I have that link for you in the show notes to watch our, it's about a 30 minute webinar. So I just want to say thank you for listening to the Amplify OT podcast, for sharing it, for telling people about it, for subscribing, for leaving a review. It really does mean the world to me. And I do this for you all, for my amplifier community. Okay, so without further ado, let's get into part two of the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule podcast series. If you haven't already listened to episode 40, please do. Um, It's all about the advocacy efforts that are related to the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule. This episode is going to be diving more into the specifics of the policy, so we will get a little bit in the weeds, which is basically policy speak for getting into the details of this policy, because it is, honestly, it's fairly complex. And so we're going to be getting into the details of why we have this fee schedule, why it is our annual lump of coal for Christmas each year, and um, what we can do about it in the future. Now, episode 40, which is the part one of this series, it's going to be only two parts, is all about the different pieces of legislation that have been introduced to try and mitigate the cuts, prevent the cuts. Um, There's lots of different solutions that have been proposed. And so it's important for you to listen to that, hear all the different proposed ideas on how to fix this issue, and contact your legislators. We did not see a large package like we normally do at the end of the year from Congress, but we most likely will see one sometime in January or February as they do have to pass some bills in order to fund the federal government again. And most likely there will be medical healthcare type legislation attached onto those larger packages. So if you haven't already, make a mental note to listen to episode 40 of the Amplify OT podcast and make a note to contact your legislators on AOTA's Take Action page. 
So first and foremost, let's answer most likely the first question on your mind, which is what exactly is the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule? And I am so glad you asked because that is a fantastic question. It is how Medicare determines how much they will pay per certain code, typically a CPT code, through the Medicare Part B. As you may know, Medicare Part B is still considered a fee-for-service payment model, meaning that you get reimbursed based on what codes you use to bill for your services. The Medicare fee schedule is what assigns a dollar amount to those codes, at least from Medicare standpoint. Private insurances and Medicaid typically also will have their own fee schedule. Now, before, 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 my pediatric therapists and my private pay clinicians who are dealing only with private insurance kind of turn off their brains, this also impacts you because many Medicaid and private commercial insurance companies base their payment off of the Medicare fee schedule. So when there are reductions in reimbursement for codes that are used by occupational therapy practitioners, and even if you don't bill Medicaid, Medicare, excuse me, then you are still probably going to be impacted by this. And another reason to put your listening ears on is if you have been frustrated by potentially lack of jobs, by lack of increases in pay, lack of bonuses or increased benefits, whatever it may be, which are many of the issues that are currently facing our workforce, many of these issues can be attributed to the fact that there have been cuts in reimbursement. As a business owner, right, I can attest that if I make less money, I cannot really pay the people who do work for me more, right? That doesn't make any sense. And so we have the same issue in healthcare. When Medicare is a primary payer, the largest payer in the country, if they reduce how much they're paying for your services, your company cannot offer you an increase in pay because they're not getting any more money. Now, of course, there are nuances to this, especially if you aren't billing Medicare Part B and there's always commercial insurance, but generally the reimbursement for healthcare, especially for therapy services, has been going down and the increases in unfunded mandates, which can be like prior authorizations and certain documentation, right? Those have been increasing. So meaning the amount of time it takes to submit a claim and review a claim has increased, but the reimbursement for those same services has gone down. As you can see, there is an imbalance there. And obviously, healthcare is not a one issue (laughs) problem, right? All the issues in healthcare cannot be attributed just to the Medicare physician fee schedule, but it is an indicator of a larger systemic problem and just has a big influence on our jobs that we perform every single day. Now, also for a little bit of housekeeping before I dive in, I will call it both the Medicare physician fee schedule and the Medicare fee schedule. The technical legal name of this schedule is the Medicare physician fee schedule and you'll usually see it abbreviated to MPFS. However, when we are lobbying Congress or speaking to stakeholders, we tend to call it the Medicare fee schedule in order to prevent the idea that this only impacts physicians. Yes, physicians are included as part of the fee schedule, but it does not only impact physicians. So when you see 
different pieces from AOTA or from other sources, you may see it referred to as just the Medicare fee schedule. It's the same thing, but it's just trying to change the terminology to make sure that folks understand it doesn't just impact physicians. And also, while we're here, just for clarity's sake, a fee schedule is basically a list or a table of some sort that identifies how much is going to be paid for a good or a service, for example. So it is kind of literally a list. And for Medicare, it is completely public. You can look it up on the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule lookup tool, and you can type in a CPT code, and it'll tell you how much that CPT code will pay out. Now, the amount it pays out does vary based on the region. So for example, you will get more for 97535, which is self-care. You will get paid more for 97535 in San Francisco than you will in Iowa. There are also other factors that reduce how much is paid per code, and we'll get into that here in a second. So one of the first things to know is that the physician fee schedule gets revised every single year. So it goes through the rulemaking process, and if you want to learn more about this rulemaking process, I have a video on it in Module 5 of the Amplify OT membership in our Mastering OT Policy course. But it goes through a rulemaking process. So CMS puts out the proposed rule, which is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which controls Medicare. They put out the proposed rule for the fee schedule, which includes changes to what's called a conversion factor, as well as any proposed changes in codes, additional codes, removals of codes, etc. So usually in early July is when the proposed rule comes out, and then the final rule is officially published in November. The changes then go into effect on the first of the calendar year. So the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule is one of the policies that starts on the calendar year instead of the fiscal year. Now for this fee schedule, so for calendar year 2024, we have four main updates. There has been an update to the conversion factor, which impacts how much we get paid, and spoiler alert, it's less. <laughs> we have caregiver codes, which are very exciting, telehealth update to services, as well as OTA supervision updates. Okay, you won't hear this because it'll be edited out, but this is my third attempt to explain the conversion factor. So a conversion factor in its most basic form is when you are multiplying one unit by another number, being the conversion factor, in order to adjust that original unit. I don't know if that made any sense to you, but basically you have one core unit, so this would be the amount, well this is the RVU for a CPT code, and then you multiply it by the conversion factor, and theoretically what you get out is how much they will pay. Now, if you're lost, don't worry, because I'll admit, I'm a little bit lost too. So let's break this down in some more concrete numbers. So first and foremost, the value of any given CPT code is basically determined by a what is called a relative value unit, or RVU. This is determined by the American Medical Association, and I have an entire lesson on how RVUs are developed. It's pretty interesting, I'll admit in Module 3 of Mastering OT Policy and Medicare, which is on the Amplify OT membership. And I will link a link for you to join the membership in the show notes. Let's say, for example, that Therac 97530 is given the RVU of 1.5. I think it's somewhere around 1.5. Honestly, I can't remember the exact number, but for example's sake, we'll say it's 1.5. 
Now, when Medicare puts out their conversion factor, it comes in the form of a dollar amount. So for this year, the conversion factor is decreasing from $33.89 to $32.74, which is about a 3.37% reduction for the Medicare physician fee schedule. Now, not every code is decreasing by 3.37% because of that conversion factor, right? The RVU is different for each code generally. Now, in our wildest dreams, we wish the equation was this simple, but the way that it would in our simple world work is you would take the conversion factor and multiply it by the RVU to determine how much you would get paid. So you would take that 1.5 RVU from Therac and multiply it by the 3274 conversion factor and that would tell you how much Therac would reimburse at the just the general code. It does not include regional adjustments, so just to be clear on that. But of course, why would we make things simple when we can make them hard? And when I was trying to figure this out for a recent presentation, I'll admit I had to phone a friend. I had to call Kim Carr at AOTA to explain this to me as well. That theoretically, yes, you would multiply the RVU by the conversion factor. But CMS actually kind of has some kind of black box equation that does add some different numbers and information into the mix. So even though theoretically we could just multiply the RVU by the conversion factor, the number that we would get doing that calculation is not going to be the same as what we get from the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule because CMS has some sort of calculation that they're using that is different from just those two numbers. And while I would love to tell you what that is, I don't know. I don't know that anyone knows. I would even guess that some folks at CMS have no idea, but that's how it works. So instead, we just have to take the fee schedule at its kind of face value. But overall, just know that the reduction is about 3.37%, and that went into effect January 1st of 2024. This payment reduction was not necessarily surprising. We already knew that there would be an anticipated cut of 1.25% due to a funding expiring from Congress of the last year. Over the last few years, you may remember that Congress has provided temporary increases in funding to the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule, and those temporary increases in funding have essentially expired year after year. Meaning, if Congress does not take action and pass a new piece of legislation, it's definitely going to go down. Another part of what makes the fee schedule so complicated is that it has to remain budget neutral. And when I say budget neutral, I mean that spending really cannot go up or down. Now, that's kind of a simplification of budget neutral in terms of how the fee schedule works. Uh, Heather Parsons, the vice president of AOTA, has a fantastic like 18-minute PowerPoint on the fee schedule, and she gets more into the details of how this budget neutrality works and the conversion factors work. Um, but for the purposes of this podcast, we're not going to get into those nitty-gritty details. But the best way to think about budget neutrality is as a pie. So you only have one pie. The pie cannot get bigger. The pie cannot get smaller. So if you have five friends, you can slice it five different ways. But if you have 10 friends, everyone's slice gets cut in half. So when we have the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule, if we increase the slice for someone else, that means we have to take away from another person. So if we increase funding for primary care physicians, which was the case a couple years ago, 
they had to take that money away from somewhere else. And unfortunately, that happened to be therapy practitioners as well as some codes used by surgeons. So it's not like that CMS hates OT. That is definitely not the case. It's just this policy is so flawed. And when they increase something else, they have to decrease something as well. So the main reason for this year's decrease is because CMS added in coverage for the code G2211, which is a complexity code that occupational therapy practitioners are not able to use. So therefore, we aren't able to benefit from that increase in funding and the addition of that code. And to continue just a bit longer with the pie metaphor, this is why we say it's important for you to have a seat at the table and the saying of if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. So this is why it's important for you to be involved. This is why it's important that we have our state associations, our national associations, so that we always have someone representing us to make sure that someone is fighting for our piece of our pie. The conversion factor decreases have really come to a critical point because over the last four years, we have had pay cuts equating to about 9.2% for occupational therapy services. So again, when we talked about at the beginning, right, why are we not seeing pay increases for therapy? Well, for those services, we've essentially received a 9% payment reduction. So how can we justify payment increases for practitioners when we've received almost a 10% cut in reimbursement and pay? And this reduction in reimbursement is not because we haven't been fighting or because AOTA hasn't been fighting. There has been advocacy and intense advocacy every single year from our state associations, from our national associations, from practitioners, from multiple different associations that are impacted by these cuts. But we will not see a resolution until there is permanent reform to the fee schedule and there is appetite in Congress for permanent reform to the fee schedule. But how to get that permanent reform and what it looks like is where there are some negotiations that will happen. Most likely, we will not see a permanent reform legislation this year, but you never know. And before we take a break, the last thing I want to add to the issues of the conversion factor is the fact that the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule does not receive bumps in spending in relationship to inflation. And again, there are other reasons as to why this exists. I cannot state enough, this is a complex web of policies and regulation from CMS and from Congress. So I highly encourage you to watch the video from Heather because she does a great job breaking it down. But when we have inflation, so we have increases in cost of living, increasing expense of providing medical services. In fact, the Medicare Economic Index expects a 4.6% increase in the cost of providing medical services. If the fee schedule does not increase at the rate of inflation, really we're receiving more than a 3.37% reduction this year. Because not only do you have the 3.3%, the 3% reduction from 2023, but then if things are more expensive, effectively, it's a more significant reimbursement cut than what appears on paper. So with that said, we will take a quick break. And after this, we'll talk about the other physician fee schedule updates that I promise are not as depressing as this one. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by MedBridge, your go-to resource for advancing your occupational therapy career and, of course, getting those necessary CEUs. If you are passionate about staying at the forefront of our field and enhancing your skills, MedBridge is a comprehensive solution. 
With the MedBridge subscription, you gain access to an extensive library of high-quality live and recorded courses led by industry experts. So stay up to date with the latest advancements in occupational therapy, explore evidence-based practice, and enhance your clinical skills. One reason that I really like and recommend MedBridge is because they have both intervention-based courses and policy and reimbursement-based courses, and that is a rare find in a CEU company. But here's the best part for our OT Amplifiers community. If you use the promo code AMPLIFYOT at checkout, you'll unlock an exclusive 40% discount on your MedBridge subscription. Yes, you heard that right, 40% off with the code AMPLIFYOT, that's A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-O-T. This is a fantastic opportunity to save some money, elevate your practice, and support Amplify OT. So don't miss out on this chance to supercharge your professional development and head over to MedBridge.com, use the promo code AmplifyOT, and enjoy the benefits of MedBridge while also supporting AmplifyOT and all the free resources that we produce here, like this podcast. So again, head to MedBridge.com, use the code AmplifyOT at checkout, and we also have the link for you in the show notes. Are you ready to take your occupational therapy practice to the next level? Then look no further than the Amplify OT membership. You heard that right. Amplify OT has its very own membership program. This membership is designed to help occupational therapy practitioners just like you stay informed about the latest developments in Medicare and advocacy. You will have exclusive access to resources, webinars, the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, Q&A sessions, plus the ability to DM me your questions and get answers fast. But of course, that is not all. As a member, you'll be part of a community of like-minded occupational therapy practitioners who are share their expertise and offer support. So by joining the Amplify OT membership, you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest Medicare regulations and guidelines, learn how to advocate for your patients and your profession, connect with other OT practitioners and students to share your knowledge, and you'll have access to those exclusive resources and webinars so you can reach your full potential as an OT provider. So don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Sign up for the Amplify OT membership today by going to the link in the show notes or amplifyot.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to stay informed and be the change that you want to see in our healthcare system. Welcome back to the Amplify OT podcast. Let's talk about some of the good news that occurred in this fee schedule. And you'll want to listen to the end because I saved the best for last. First and foremost, CMS did extend the telehealth waivers, which was required by Congress. There was a bit of snafu earlier in the year where CMS misinterpreted some policies to say that hospital-based outpatient clinics could not use telehealth services because they didn't realize that outpatient uh, services for OT and PT and speech were actually billed under the fee schedule and not under a different payment plan. So that has now been clarified and telehealth coverage under Medicare Part B is now confirmed through the end of calendar year 2024 for OT, PT and speech therapy services. Now we do still need permanent action. So we do need Congress to either pass another extension or to pass permanent expansion of telehealth services. But if I had to take a guess, we won't see that until the end of 2024. Because like you may have heard me say before, Congress loves nothing more than procrastinating to a deadline. Another interesting update is that they did elect to go ahead and extend the 
general supervision requirement for OTAs and PTAs in private practice in keeping with the telehealth waiver. So originally that waiver that required, that allowed general supervision was supposed to expire at the end of calendar year 2023. However, this waiver has been extended and this was finalized through calendar year 2024. So this is definitely a big relief for any program that has been using OTAs, PTAs to provide therapy services via telehealth or just generally in private practice. Now, again, this also does need some permanent action. So CMS did collect some information and requested comments on whether or not they should permanently change the direct supervision requirement to a general supervision requirement. However, it's unclear what direction they plan to go, but there is legislation introduced in Congress to permanently fix this issue. And this issue is definitely important for our rural areas where there may not always be an OT or PT available to be on site to supervise that clinician. And it's also important if we want OTAs to be able to practice and see Medicare patients in some of those mobile outpatient clinics or home mods programs. Now, if you look at the AOTA article that I linked in the show notes, and this is only for AOTA members, they did note that CMS did respond positively to the comments that was submitted by AOTA and others. So most likely they will take this consideration seriously, but we'll see if it comes from CMS or if it goes through Congress. They are also going to allow general supervision for remote therapeutic monitoring or RTM services for OTAs and PTAs. Another positive update is that CMS did respond and identify 19, quote, always therapy CPT codes for re-evaluation. In 2017, when the American Medical Association, or AMA, was doing an update or recalculation of these specific CPT codes, they identified that there may have been an issue in calculating the clinical labor inputs for the practice expense portion of the value of the code, or the RVU. And if that did not make any sense to you, then you definitely want to watch one of the lessons in the Module 3 of Mastering OT Policy and Medicare, which is available to Amplify OT Full Access members, uh, because we break down in detail what an RVU is and what goes into making the value of a CPT code. So basically what this means is that CMS identifies that there most likely is a misvaluation, which leads to a lower payment than what is appropriate for these codes. And these are kind of the normal codes that you see therapy billing, like 97533, 97535, 97530, right? That's your sensory integration, your Therac, your self-care. So they're codes that you're used to using. So hopefully what we will see is an increase in reimbursement for those codes, potentially in next year's fee schedule. And AOTA did note that AOTA and APTA members will be presenting to one of the AMA RUC committees on January 2024 in order to discuss the reevaluation of the clinical labor for these codes. And from what I understand, those meetings are highly technical. So I am very glad that there is an expert at AOTA who will be presenting on the behalf of occupational therapy. Okay, and last but definitely not least, the part that I'm personally most excited about is our new caregiver training codes. Now, the reason this is such a big deal is because this is the very first time that as therapy practitioners, we will be reimbursed for a service that the patient is not physically present for. 
For all our other codes that we traditionally use as occupational therapy practitioners, except for like your RTM codes and whatnot, the patient has to be physically present or at least be present and you are actively providing a skilled service to the patient. However, thanks to advocacy from AOTA as well as other groups, they were able to convince CMS that it is important to spend money on caregiver training even when the patient is not present. So if you are doing caregiver training with the patient present, you would still bill like you normally would, like a self-care, Therac, whatever is most appropriate for the caregiver training that you're providing. These caregiver training codes are only to be used when the patient is not present or involved in this training. So this can really open up, I think, a lot of opportunities, especially when you're thinking about SNFs and home health and acute care, where oftentimes we are talking with the caregivers, we're talking with family members or friends, whoever's going to take care of them, and providing them with training, or when they pull you out into the hallway and ask for you to provide them with advice or provide them with education, historically, we have not been able to bill for those services or you shouldn't be billing for them, is, I guess, another way to say that as well, because the patient's not present. But these caregiver codes will now allow us to bill for that time. But there is a big but here. This does not include time speaking with a nurse or a case manager or the nurse aide. Caregivers are defined only as a family member, a friend, or a neighbor who provides unpaid assistance to a person with a chronic illness or disabling condition. So these codes are not intended to be used with speaking with a patient's nurse, kind of doing that care coordination piece. That is all things that still have to be done and not billed for unless the patient is involved in that discussion. Now, as of right now, which I'm recording this in January of 2024, there are not any commercial insurances that we are aware of that is covering the caregiver codes And most likely, Medicaid plans are also not yet covering these caregiver codes. These codes are very new. They've been working in development for a few years, and AOTA has played a really key role in making those codes happen. But they were just recently approved by the AMA, I want to say sometime early, mid-2023, but it could have been 2022 as well. Either way, these codes are very new, and so they have yet to fully be implemented in other payers. But that's where advocacy then picks up again, is that we will have to engage in advocacy. And you can do this at your state level, your local level. Also, AOTA, I'm sure, will be involved in asking commercial insurances and Medicaid programs to add the caregiver codes to the covered codes for occupational therapy services. So this would be a great time to get in touch or, better yet, get involved with your state association to ask them if there are going to be any efforts to try and get these caregiver codes added to the Medicaid fee schedule. And then if you have connections with commercial insurances, it's another great opportunity to ask them as well to add these caregiver codes to their plans. AOTA did a fantastic webinar on the caregiver codes, and I want to say it's free to members and maybe like $25 or $35 for non-members. It does issue CEs, and it's from Kim Carr, who's on the regulatory team, and she does a fantastic job of walking through what these caregiver codes are, when you can bill them, how to document for them, when they're covered, etc. Because these codes, like I said, they are a little bit tricky because they're so different from any other service that we're used to providing. 
I would also not be surprised if there are some hiccups along the road as perhaps we start billing these caregiver codes. For example, because they're new codes, there may be delays in software being updated. You may have to ask your EMR to add these codes to your program. I also wouldn't be surprised if some of the Macs are delayed in approving these codes. So there may be instances when you first bill them that the claims may be denied. And that's important to know, and it's important to reach out to your Mac or reach out to whoever you're billing from Medicare to let them know the claim's denied. And you can also attach evidence that it's covered. But, you know, sometimes technology and software does not keep up with the reality. So that's something to be aware of. And also, again, another point where you can kind of advocate for occupational therapy would be, one, most likely you may need to tell your boss, right? Let somebody know, let management know. You could provide an in-service on the new caregiver codes, right? Watch AOTA's webinar and then bring the information to them. Two, asking your documentation system to add the caregiver codes as options. So your EMR, your EHR, this could be Cerner, Epic, Kasamba, NetHealth, et cetera, et cetera. Asking them to add in these caregiver codes as options so we can actually start billing for them. And then definitely get in touch and keep an eye on what's happening at the national level as well as the state level to try and expand awareness of these caregiver codes, making sure they're being used appropriately and making sure that they're going to be covered hopefully in the future by commercial insurances and Medicaid programs. I'm sure over the coming weeks and months, we will see more information and resources coming out on these codes, especially as now that the new year has started, we'll kind of start figuring out a little bit of when Medicare does or doesn't approve them or if there's any bumps along the road. So stay tuned for more information. I feel like I can almost guarantee there will be something about the caregiver codes at AOTA Inspire, um, which registration is open for that if you didn't know. And I will be at Inspire this year. I'm excited to go to Orlando. I'll also go ahead and throw in a reminder to participate in AOTA elections. Uh, They open on February 2nd and close towards the end of February. You do have to be a member to participate in AOTA elections. Um, This year is our own presidential election. We're electing the president-elect. There's also board members and a bunch of other positions on the ballot as well. So historically, only 4% of people have participated in AOTA elections. So I would encourage you to be part of the solution to be more involved in our profession, because I know that you are here because you want to amplify occupational therapy. You want to make a difference in our profession. And one of the great ways to do that is by making your voices heard through voting in AOTA elections. So keep an eye out for that. The sample ballot is already out. And my next episode is going to be an interview with one of the individuals running for AOTA president-elect Vikram Pagpatan. I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm also going to try and reach out to the other members and see if I can get some Q&As for you all. So if you have a question that you want to ask our president-elect who are running for the position, there's four of them, let me know and I'll do my best to add that in. All right. Happy New Year, OT amplifiers. Thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to see what 2024 holds and I will see you in the next episode. Thanks so much. If you made it this far, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast. And I hope you're feeling a little more inspired and prepared to amplify your value and the value of occupational therapy. If you found yourself at any point thinking, gosh, I guess policy isn't that dull and boring, then you're definitely going to love how we talk about policy and advocacy in the Amplify OT membership. 
There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up today so you can take an immediate next step towards emerging as a confident clinician. And of course, don't forget to follow the Amplify OT podcast so that way you never miss an episode. And you know, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review because that's the best way to help others find the podcast too. And of course, thank you so much to Jessica Riccio for editing this podcast and for all of you for giving me a reason to record it. You're now officially part of the OT Amplifier community and you are now prepared to go out there and advocate for OT because remember, if we don't advocate for occupational therapy, then who will?